Good evening, friend, and welcome to the Bedtime Story Edition of the Old Hat Podcast. Glad you're here. Kind of winding down for the day and thought you might have time for a bedtime story. I hope you do, because I'm going to read you one. Tonight I'm going to read you a story that I remember from when I was a boy. I had a bunch of record albums, and you can Google that. (laughs) Back before Spotify, we had CDs. And before CDs, we had albums. And I had albums when I was a little boy, and they had stories on them. And I just loved some of those stories. And one of them was called Rip Van Winkle. So I'm going to read you the story of Rip Van Winkle. So this one may be a little longer. It's not a chapter book, but it is a longer story. So I'm going to read that one to you right now. Rip Van Winkle by Washington Irving. Rip Van Winkle, the woman's voice boomed through the quiet village, nestled at the foot of the hazy blue Catskill Mountains. Yes, my dear, a man answered, a little fearful of what his wife was going to say. Where have you been, demanded the very cranky Dame Van Winkle. Why, out shooting squirrels in the mountains, my sweet, Rip said. His wife was sour, not sweet, but Rip was always trying to butter her up. Show me the squirrels you shot for tonight's dinner, insisted Dame Van Winkle. Well, I had no luck, Rip admitted. The squirrels didn't come out to be shot today, but it was a lovely day for a ramble all the same. His wife frowned, her face so red it seemed about to explode like a volcano. It was a fine day for you to do your chores around this farm, she screamed. The chicken house needs whitewashing, the fence needs mending, the weeds need hoeing, and the ditches need clearing, and that's just the beginning. Rip said nothing. He shrugged his shoulders, shook his head, and turned his eyes towards the sky. This gesture always made his wife Ten times madder. (laughs) She yelled at him till his ears hurt. He finally went outside. Shall I start with the chicken house, he asked himself, or should I weed the garden first? Or should I fix that fence? Trying to decide which chore to tackle first, he wandered up to a meadow where there was a large elm tree. He sat down to think seriously about all the work he had to do. In a few minutes, weary from his ramble through the mountains, he was fast asleep. You may think that Rip was lazy, but that wasn't true at all. He would sit on a wet rock for hours holding a heavy fishing pole and never take a moment's rest. He would carry his musket through the woods and swamps all day, up and down hills he would tramp, just to shoot one or two squirrels or a few wild pigeons. Rip, a neighbor would say, could you help me build a stone wall on my farm? Certainly, Rip would answer. He would pitch in and help till the sun went down. He was always there when anyone needed a hand to shuck corn or raise a barn or bring in some hay. He even helped out the women of the village, taking care of the little chores that their husbands never got around to. It was only on his own little farm that he never seemed to get around to doing anything. But he had a reason. It's no use working on this piece of ground, he declared. It's so barren and rocky, nothing will ever come of it, no matter what I do. It was true the fences were always falling down. His cow would either go astray or break into the garden and eat the cabbages. Weeds grew better than any vegetable. Besides, whenever Rip was about to go out and get work, it rained. 
This farm he'd inherited from his father had dwindled until he had barely more than a patch of Indian corn and potatoes, and even that he couldn't keep up. Rip could hardly support his family. His son, also named Rip, looked like his father, loved idleness like his father, and even wore his father's old clothes. He ran around town in a pair of pants so big he had to hold them up with one hand as he skipped after his mother. Rip Jr. loved his father, who played with him and his little sister and took them fishing. Rip was popular with all the children of the village. He would join in their games and make willow whistles for them. He never tired of taking them on his back and jogging around the village square. Rip Van Winkle was a happy man. Take life easy, that was his motto. He was as happy to eat white bread or brown, whichever he could get with the least effort. It left him to, it left to him, if left to himself, he would have gladly whistled life away in perfect contentment. But his nag, his wife nagged him morning, noon, and night to get to work. I don't deserve such scolding, Rip would say when his wife couldn't hear him. Do I, Wolf? Rip's best friend at home was his dog, Wolf. They understood each other. Wolf was a brave dog, but he too, he too was afraid of Dame Van Winkle. He would slink around the house with his tail between his legs, always watching his mistress with a cowardly eye. If she ever reached for a broom handle or a ladle, he would run out the door before she could beat him. When Rip wanted to get away from his wife's bitter lectures, he strolled down to the town's small inn where all the wise men, philosophers, and other idle fellows met. Above them hung a portrait of His Majesty George III, King of England. At that time, America was still a colony of England. Did you hear about Jan Vanderskamp? One of them would say. He would go on to relate some little bit of local gossip. Then somebody else would tell a story about nothing. Ever so often, a traveler would leave off an old newspaper. Derek Van Bummel, the schoolmaster, would read them the latest news. He was an educated man who could pronounce the most gigantic words in the dictionary. When he finished, the men would have a deep discussion about world events, each offering his opinion about any topic you could think of. The wisest of this group was the owner of the inn, Nicholas Vedder. He sat in his chair by the door all day, puffing his pipe. Everyone respected his opinions, even though he didn't say much. If he disagreed with something, he smoked in short, angry puffs. If he agreed, he let out peaceful clouds of smoke, or even took his pipe from his mouth and nodded his head. One afternoon, Rip was discussing with his friends the best fishing spots on the streams that flowed down from the mountains. That bend in the stream just past De Groot's Woods is where you can catch the biggest trout, Rip was saying. Just the other day, I was fishing there, and Rip, one of his pals said, interrupting him, Here comes your wife. Rip, Ben, Winkle. <laughs> Rip heard the shrill tones of his wife's voice as she came storming down to the inn. He knew he was in for another scolding. He knew she would scream at his friends for encouraging his laziness. And what could he do but shrug and take it? The only way Rip could get away from his wife's complaints and away from the work of the farm was to take his gun and stroll into the woods. He would carry a bit of lunch with him and share his sandwich with Wolf. Poor Wolf, he said. We both live a dog's life. But as long as I'm around, you'll always have a friend to stand by you. Wolf wagged his tail and looked at his master as if to say, I'll stand by you too. One fine autumn day, Rip rambled to one of the highest, most remote spots in the Catskill Mountains. All day he'd been trying to shoot squirrels, but without much luck. 
He found himself on a green knoll looking out over a steep cliff. Look, Wolf, he said, you can see the whole valley. Look at the shadows of the mountains beginning to stretch across the fields and forest. And there's the mighty Hudson River. What a sight. But this lovely view made him realize how far from home he was. It would be dark before he could get back to his village. He knew that Dame Van Winkle would be hopping mad when he returned. We'd better get going, he said to Wolf. But as soon as they stood to head back, Rip heard a voice calling him from far off. Rip Van Winkle! Rip Van Winkle! He looked around but could see nothing except a crow flying across the mountains. Maybe he was just imagining it. But then he heard the words again in the still evening air. Rip Van Winkle! Wolf gave a low growl and the hare stood up on his back. He crowded near his master and stared down into a glen. Rip began to feel a little afraid. He looked down the hill and saw a strange figure toiling up the rocks. He was bending under the weight of something that he carried on his back. Rip was surprised to see anyone in such a lonely place, but he was always eager to help someone in need, so he hurried down to the man. The stranger's odd appearance surprised him. He was short, with a gray beard and bushy gray hair. He was dressed the way the old Dutchman used to dress, in knee breeches that had rows of buttons down the side. On his back he was carrying what looked like a keg of liquor. He motioned Rip to approach. Can I give you a hand with your heavy load? Rip asked. The stranger said not a word, but signaled that he did indeed need help. So they took turns carrying the keg up a steep gully which looked like the dry bed of a stream. It was hard work. As they went, Rip kept hearing thunder rolling down from the rocks above. He paused, then decided it must just be uh, one of those passing thunderstorms that you often encounter in the mountains. Up they went, the stranger remained completely silent. Rip was dying to ask him why he could possibly be lugging this heavy cask up the side of the mountain, but something about the odd little man made him hold his tongue. Finally, they passed through a ravine into a hollow that was surrounded by rock cliffs on all sides. Trees jutted out from the tops of the cliffs, casting the hollow into gloom. You could hardly see the sky. My goodness, Wolf, Rip said to his faithful dog, look at those strange men, he pointed. Down in the center of the hollow, on a level piece of ground, a whole group of odd-looking men were bowling, playing ninepins, as they called it. Like the man with the keg, they were dressed in old-fashioned Dutch outfits. They all had long knives at their belt. One had a broad face with the eyes of a pig. Another had an enormous nose. They all wore beards. Their leader was a fat old man with the weather-beaten face of a sailor. He wore a broad leather belt, a high-topped hat, bright red stockings, and thick-heeled shoes with roses on them. Why are they so silent, Rip wondered to himself, for though they should have been having fun, none of them said a word. Not one of them even smiled. They didn't speak to each other either. The only sound to break the stillness was the noise of the balls clattering into the pins, which echoed in the mountains like thunder. When Rip and the little man approached them, they stopped bowling and gathered around. They stared at Rip without blinking. The coldness of their eyes made his heart miss a beat. His knees began to knock against each other. The stranger, who had been carrying the keg, began pouring it into cups. He handed them to Rip to pass on to others. Rip obeyed. He was afraid not to. They drank in silence, then returned to their game of nine pins as solemn as ever. <laughs>
This is the oddest thing I've ever seen, Rip said to himself as he watched them play. I guess I might as well have a taste of this drink myself. It can't do any harm. Rip tasted the liquid and found it to be top-notch. Since he was thirsty from lugging the keg up the mountain, he had another drink. And another. It began to taste quite delicious. He drank until he grew quite tired. His eyes swam in his head. Finally, his chin dropped to his chest, and he fell into a deep sleep. When he awoke, Rip found himself back on the green knoll where he'd first seen the odd little man. He rubbed his eyes. It was a bright, sunny morning. Surely, thought Rip, I haven't slept here all night. He remembered what had happened before he fell asleep. There was the strange man with the keg, the climb up the ravine, the wild hollow among the rocks, and the weird group of little men playing nine pins. Oh, and that drink. Rip remembered that awful drink. What am I going to say to Dame Van Winkle when I get home? She'll be hopping mad. He looked around for his gun. Lying beside him lay an old musket. The barrel rusted, the stock rotted. Rip always kept his gun clean and well-oiled. So, Rip said to himself, those strange men gave me a dose of drink and then robbed me of my gun. They left this piece of junk in its place. So that was their plan, Wolf. But Wolf was nowhere to be seen. He must have run off after a squirrel, or maybe the men had stolen him too. Here, Wolf, Rip called. He whistled. No dog came. Rip decided to track down the men and demand his gun and dog back. Rising, he found his joints stiff. It hurt to move. These mountain beds don't agree with me, he thought. If this adventure makes me come down with a fit of the rheumatism, my wife will kill me. He found the glen that he had walked up with the stranger. Yesterday it had been dry. Today he was surprised to find that a gushing mountain stream flowed down it. He had an awful time trying to make his way up the side of the torrent through the brambles and the vines. He reached the spot where the ravine opened into the hollow. Surely this was where the men had played bowling. Yet now there was no opening, only a sheer wall of rock. The stream came tumbling down from above in a gushing waterfall. Rip couldn't figure it out. Here, Wolf, he called again. He whistled for his dog. Caw, 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 came the answer. It was a crow gliding high above who seemed to mock Rip's troubles. What should he do? It was late morning now, and Rip was hungry for breakfast. He didn't want to leave his dog and gun behind. He surely didn't want to face his wife, but if he stayed in the mountains, he'd starve. Plenty worried, he took up the rusty old gun and headed home. As he approached the village, he met a number of people. He didn't recognize any of them. That surprised him. He thought he knew everyone in these parts. They wore unusual clothes, too. So many of them stroked their chins when they saw him that Rip put his hand up to feel his own chin. Goodness, he said, my beard has grown a foot long. In the village itself, a group of strange children ran after him, laughing and pointing at his long gray beard. The town seems different, he thought. There are more people around, and these rows of houses, I don't remember them being here yesterday. Something very mysterious was going on. Maybe a sorcerer had cast a spell on the village. He wasn't in the wrong place. This was the town where he was born. Those were the Catskill Mountains, and over there was the stream he loved to fish in. It must be me, Rip told himself. That drink last night shook up my poor head. There was nothing to do now but go home and face the anger of his wife. 
With each step, he expected to hear the shrill voice of Dame Van Winkle. When he arrived home, he couldn't believe his eyes. His house had gone to ruin. The roof had fallen in, the windows were all shattered, the door was off its hinges. At least Wolf was there. Rip saw him skulking in the yard. Here, Wolf, Rip called, happy to find his old pal. The half-starved dog looked at him and snarled, showing his teeth. My own dog has forgotten me, Rip sighed. He entered the house, which his wife had always kept so tidy. It was a mess, empty and dirty. He forgot about being afraid of his wife and called her name. No one answered. Rip hurried down to the inn to talk to his friends about these strange developments, but the inn was gone too. In its place was a large rickety building with the sign that said, The Union Hotel, Jonathan Doolittle, owner. Rip knew no one of that name. Out front, where the big elm tree had stood, was a flagpole. The flag fluttering on top was a strange display of stars and stripes, which Rip had never seen before. The picture of King George that always hung in front of the inn had changed, too. The portrait there now showed a man in a blue coat and a cocked hat holding a sword. Underneath, it said General Washington. Who is this General Washington? Rip wondered. As usual, a crowd of people were gathered outside the building. Rip didn't recognize any of them. Nicholas Vetter wasn't there smoking his pipe. The schoolmaster, Van Bommel, was not sitting around reading stories from the newspaper. The discussions going on were not the usual lazy talk that Rip remembered. Instead, a skinny young man was talking about elections, Congress, liberty, the revolution, things that made no sense at all to Rip. When Rip appeared with a troop of laughing children following him, the man stopped talking and everyone looked. Which side do you vote on, old man? The speaker asked him. Rip just stared. What was this stranger talking about? Are you a federal or a Democrat? Asked another. Rip didn't know what to say. You come to the election with a gun in your hand and a mob at your heels, declared another man. Are you trying to start a riot? Gentlemen, Rip said, I'm a poor, quiet man and a loyal subject of the king, God bless him. At these words, a great commotion broke out on every side. People shouted, a Tory, a Tory, a spy, arrest him. Everybody quiet, quiet down, cried the self-important man in a cocked hat who seemed to be in charge. He turned to Rip, looking very stern, and demanded, Why do you come here, and who are you looking for? I mean no harm, said Rip. I only came to find some of my neighbors who always spend their time gathered in this spot. Neighbors? What neighbors? Name them. Well, Rip said, where's Nicholas Vetter, who owns the inn? There was a silence. The men looked at each other, curious. Finally, a very old man replied, Nicholas Vetter has been dead for 18 years. There used to be a wooden tombstone in the churchyard with his name on it, but now that's rotten and gone, too. Where is Brom Dutcher? Rip asked, mentioning another of his friends. He went off to the army when the war began, someone told him. Maybe he was shot or maybe he drowned. Nobody knows. Anyway, he never come back. Where is Van Bummel, the schoolmaster? Well, he went to the wars, too, was the reply. He became a general in the militia. He's in Congress now. Rip was very troubled to hear these answers. He felt all alone in the world. He couldn't understand how so much time could have passed. And what was this war they spoke of? And Congress, what did that mean? Does nobody here know Rip Van Winkle, he cried. Oh, Rip Van Winkle, several people said. Sure we know him. That's Rip Van Winkle over there, leaning against that tree. Rip turned to see. 
The man who stood there was the spitting image of Rip himself the day he headed out to shoot squirrels in the mountain, just as lazy and just as ragged. Then that is me, Rip murmured, or rather, I am. Yes, said the man in the cocked hat. Who are you? What's your name? God knows, Rip answered. I'm not myself. I'm somebody else. That's me over there. I mean, no, that's somebody else in my shoes. Last night I was myself. I fell asleep on the mountain. They've changed my gun. They've changed everything. They've changed me. I can't tell you my name or who I am. The bystanders began to wink at each other and tap their fingers against their heads as if to say, the man is crazy. Maybe we should take his gun away before he hurts somebody, a man suggested. At this point, a pretty woman with a baby in her arms pushed through the crowd to get a look at the man. The baby, frightened by Rip's wild appearance, began to cry. Hush, Rip, the mother said to her child. This old man won't hurt you. The name of the child and the face of his mother made Rip wonder. What's your name, good woman, he asked. Judith Gardner, she said. And your father's name? Poor man, Rip Van Winkle was his name, she said. But it's twenty years since he went away from home with his gun. He's never been heard from since. His dog came home without him. Whether he shot himself or was carried away by Indians, nobody knows. I was only a little girl then. Rip had one more question to ask. His voice shook a little as he said, Where's your mother? Oh, she died too. Not, not long ago, she got so mad at a New England peddler that she dropped dead. Rip was a little relieved to hear this. <laughs> now he took his daughter up in his arms. I'm your father, he cried. Young Rip Van Winkle once. Old Rip Van Winkle now. Does nobody know poor Rip Van Winkle? Everyone just looked at him amazed. Finally, an old lady tottered up and stared at Rip's face. Sure enough, she said, it is Rip Van Winkle. Welcome home, old neighbor. Where have you been these 20 long years? Rip told his story. There wasn't much to tell. To him, 20 years seemed like one night. The crowd of people winked at each other or put their tongues in their cheeks. Most shook their heads and smiled over the strange tale. But one old Dutchman, the oldest man in the village, claimed that Rip's story made sense. The Catskill Mountains have always been haunted by strange beings, he said. Henry Hudson, who first sailed up this river that's named for him, comes back with his crew every 20 years to look after his discovery. My father saw them once playing nine pins in a hollow, and I have heard with my own ears the sounds of their bowling, like distant peals of thunder. There was an election on, so the crowd quickly lost interest in old Rip Van Winkle. His daughter took him home to live with her. She had a nice, well-furnished house. Rip remembered her cheerful farmer husband as one of the children who used to climb on his back. Rip's son was hired to work on the farm, but, like his father, he paid little attention to his work. Most days he spent loafing or fishing or hunting squirrels. Rip found some of his friends, but they were all old men now, and Rip preferred to make new friends among the young people. He had nothing to do at home. He'd reached the age when a man is expected to retire and just sit around. That suited him fine. He sat happily in front of the inn all day with no one to bother him. Those who gathered there liked to hear Rip's stories of the way things used to be before the war. It took a while for him to understand that there had been a revolution. The country had broken away from England, and now he was a free citizen of the United States, not a subject of King George. 
Rip didn't care much about politics, but he knew what it meant to be a free citizen, for he no longer had to put up with his wife's scolding and nagging. He could do just about as he pleased with not a single worry about Dame Van Winkle. When somebody mentioned the poor woman's name, he would shake his head, shrug his shoulders, and turn his eyes toward the sky. Whether he meant he was sad or happy, no one knew. Every traveler who came to the hotel wanted to hear Rip's story. Soon everyone in the village knew it by heart. Some pretended that they didn't believe it. They insisted that Rip had gone crazy and that his tale was just something that he had imagined. But the old Dutch people believed him. Even to this day, when a thunderstorm is heard on a summer afternoon rumbling down from the Catskills, folks will say, it's Henry Hudson and his crew playing nine pins up in the mountains. The end. Can you imagine taking a nap for 20 years? <laughs> Things sure would have been different if I'd have fallen asleep 20 years ago and come back awake now. That'd be something else. I wonder what things would be like 20 years from now if you took a nap tonight and it was 20 years from now. What would that be? 2040, 2040. I wonder what things would be like then. <laughs> well, I'm surprised at uh, how things are now, and yet I've been awake the whole time. <laughs> you have too. <laughs> but we're going to be okay. You did a lot of good stuff today, and you've heard a fun story to think about. And now it's time to get you some rest, and I hope you do that. I hope you sleep well, and I hope you dream sweet dreams if you dream at all. And I hope you remember that you are loved always with an everlasting love, no matter what. And you're going to be okay. And I hope you sleep well and wake up happy in the morning. Good night. <laughs>